The column of horsemen struggled up the track to the crest of the hillock, and then their leader raised a hand to halt them as he reined in. The recent rainfall had turned the surface of the track into a pitted and rutted expanse of glutinous mud, and the cavalry mounts snorted and wheezed as their hooves were sucked into the quagmire. The chilly air was filled with the sound of the wet slap of the horses' hooves as they slowed and then stood at rest, snorting jets of steamy breath. Their leader wore a thick red cloak over his gleaming breastplate, across which ran the looped bands that signified his rank. Legate Quintatus, commander of the 14th Legion, entrusted with maintaining the western frontier of the Empire's recently acquired province of Britannia. That was no easy task, he mused bitterly. It had been nearly eight years since the army had landed on the island that stood at the limits of the known world. At the time, Quintatus had been a tribune in his early twenties, filled with a sense of mission and a desire to win glory for himself, Rome, and the new emperor, Claudius. The army had fought its way inland, defeating the mighty host that had been gathered by the native tribes, under the command of Caraticus. Battle after battle had ground down the natives, until finally the legions had crushed the warriors as they made their final stand in front of their capital at Camulodunum. That battle had seemed decisive at the time. The emperor himself had been there to witness the victory, and claimed full credit for it. Once the rulers of most of the native tribes had made treaties with the emperor, Claudius returned to Rome to claim his triumph and announced to the mob that the conquest of Britannia was complete. Only it wasn't, the legate frowned, not by a long way. That final battle had not broken Caraticus's will to resist. It had merely taught him that it was foolhardy to pit his brave but poorly trained warriors against the legions in a pitched battle. He had learned to play a deeper game, luring the Roman columns into ambushes and sending fast-moving bands to raid the legions' supply lines and outposts. It had taken seven years of campaigning to drive Caraticus into the mountain fastness of the tribes of the Silures and the Ordovices. They were warlike, spurred on by the fanatic fury of the Druids, and determined to resist the might of Rome until their last breaths. They had accepted Caraticus as their commander, and this new centre of resistance had attracted warriors from across the island, who nursed a resolute hatred of Rome. It had been a hard winter, and the cold winds and icy rain had forced the Roman army to limit its activities during the long, dark months. Only towards the end of the season, the lowering clouds and mists lifted from the mountainous lands beyond the frontier, and the legions were able to renew their campaign against the natives over the winter. The governor of the province, Ostorius Scapula, had ordered the 14th to push forward into the forested valleys and establish a chain of forts. They would serve as bases for the main offensive that would come in the spring. The enemy had responded with a speed and ferocity that had surprised Legate Quintatus, and attacked the strongest of the columns he had sent into their lands. Two cohorts of legionaries, nearly eight hundred men. The tribune in command of the column had sent a rider to the legate the moment the attack had begun, urgently requesting support. 
Quintatus had led the rest of the legion out of its base at Glevum at first light, and as they approached the site of the fort, he had ridden ahead with an escort to reconnoitre, his heart heavy with dread at what they might find. Beyond the hillock lay the valley leading deep into the lands of the Silures. The legate strained his ears, striving to filter out the sounds of the horses behind him. But there was no sound from ahead, no dull rhythmic thudding of axes as the legionaries felled trees to provide timber for the construction of the fort and create a wide cordon of clear land around the perimeter ditch. No sound of voices echoing off the slopes of the valley on either side nor any sound of fighting. We're too late, he muttered to himself. Too late. He frowned irritably at his failure to keep his concerns to himself, and glanced round quickly in case his words had been overheard.